Hey, you crazy bastards. Welcome back to E-Crime Bites, where I research the court documents and roast the criminals so you don't have to. I last left you on Season 2, Episode 16. This is Amir Goldston, and he is selling fraudulent internet addresses. This is Act 2. Back in Act 1, I brought to you this concept that there's IP addresses, and these addresses are... They're required to get on the internet. So if you want to put your phone on the internet or your computer, you need an IP address to be assigned to your device so other devices can talk to it. So there's this organization out there called ARIN, and it stands for American Registry of Internet Numbers. And they control this finite set of IP addresses. And since it's finite and more and more people want to get on the internet, you can imagine IP addresses, they hold some monetary value that eventually they go up over time because it's a finite set. So as more people want to get on the internet, you know, back in the day, they might cost about 10 bucks an IP address. And by the end of this case, you'll see they cost about $19 an IP address. So the cost per IP address starts to go up. So Amir Golson, he owns this company named Mikfo and he set up something called channel partners which ends up being just tons of fake companies behind the scenes and then he sets up fake people that are officers of this company and fake websites of these companies why well to talk to aaron in order to get ip addresses assigned to these fake companies from aaron in much greater numbers than if he were to just talk to aaron through himself and Mikfo, just one company. So at the end of act one, I left you with, he now owns about three quarter million IP addresses and it ranges from about nine to $14 million. That's, that's the value of these IP addresses. And under normal circumstances, Aaron probably would not have assigned so many IP addresses to just one individual and one entity. So this whole thing that I'm bringing you is fraudulent from the get-go because it's fake people, fake companies, fake everything in order to get these IP addresses for Amir to make money. So with all that background, Amir wants to sell these IP addresses. As you imagine, he's sitting on a gold mine, right? Um, he went to a third-party broker and initially he sold about 65,000 IP addresses for $13 each and he made about $851,000 on it. So a crap ton of money, right? He then went to his pile of IP addresses, picked another 65,000 and went out there and made another transaction. And this time it was for a million dollars. So already he's all uh, just two transactions. He's almost at $2 million, probably almost pure profit. I imagine at this point. So then he decides I'm going for it, man. I'm going for it. He decides he wants to sell 327,000 IP addresses at $19 a piece for a total of over $6.2 million. And it was so many IP addresses in this proposed sale that this is where Aaron said, hold the fuck up. What's going on over here? And that's where they detected the fraud at the time. And they were able to prevent this transaction. So he's sitting on at least about $2 million and he almost was going to make about another $6.2 million 
based upon what I would say is a pretty simple fraud scheme if you kind of understand how the internet works behind the scenes. Amir definitely did because that was his job as CEO of this company that's a cloud services provider. So as you can imagine, if I can make this a world, a real world analogy for you, it would be like if one corporation went up and bought a whole neighborhood, but they use strawman individuals. It looks like, you know, the Jones family came in and bought one house. The Smith family came in and bought another house. The Riley family came in and bought another house. But really all these families were just giving it to this company and the company owned it at the end of the day. So you can imagine if one company owned this really sought after neighborhood, they could pretty much set whatever price they want for the houses if everybody wants to get into this neighborhood, right? They would make money off that fraud. That's kind of what is happening here in a computer sense and in IP address sense. So I gave you the physical house example. Same thing sort of is happening on the internet. It's just happening with these numbers, this finite set of numbers. So because Aaron figured this out, they decided to sue Mikfo and um, Amir Goldson back in 2018. And when this happened, when this lawsuit happened, if you're not familiar with lawsuits, don't worry. I back in the day, I wasn't either. So there's, there's two types of lawsuits in America. There is criminal, which is usually what I bring you in these cases. It's when police officers are involved and then there's civil, which is sort of people suing people without police officers involved. And it's, um, like grievances, like, uh, you're trying to take my property or you are uh, breaking a contract or something along those lines. That's the realm that Aaron is suing Mikfo and um, Golson in here. And then that's when the criminal prosecutors looked and said, oh, wait a minute, what the fuck is going on over here? And they decided to do a criminal investigation as well. So very, very bad moment in time for Amir Golson. Okay, so they do their investigation, the prosecutors do, and they come back on May 14th of 2019 with an indictment, 20 counts. And if you're wondering what 20 counts, it was those 20 counts of wire fraud that I brought to you in Act 1, where it was each instance of these fake officers signing these affidavits about owning these fake companies and needing these IP addresses for fake purposes. So basically that wire fraud co covers all that fraud that they did with setting up the companies and the fake people and everything. So when the indictment came out, you know, it goes through the usual legal process where they say, Hey, what do you plead? And he says, not guilty. And he's out on bond and the bond was uh, 500,000 unsecured bond. And he was out on June 3rd of 2019. So some time goes by. And something happens and I couldn't figure out why I tried to listen when there's gaps like this, trust me, when I don't give you these gaps because I'm lazy, I give you these gaps a lot of times because there's just no information that I can pull. And there was no information about there or why this happened, but it happened November, 2021 Golson decides he doesn't want a jury trial. He wants a bench trial, which means he wants to leave his fate in the hands of one person the judge. Now, lawyers can argue the reasons why this happens. 
just generally, I'm not a lawyer, just generally as a layman, I will tell you, it seems like you do that when you want the person to interpret the law and not use emotion. You would hope a judge would use logic more than emotion and a jury would probably rule on a little more emotion than they would logic. So sometimes a defendant would say, I really hope a jury would emotionally rule in my favor on this and you would want to go with a jury. Well, I think here for some reason, he decided that emotion isn't going to work in his favor and he wants to just have a judge preside over his trial and have no jury. I think it would be easier for him to muddy the waters with a jury on all these technical terms that I'm throwing at you. And if you can muddy the waters with a jury, you might get a not guilty if they can't understand the concept that the person is being accused of. A judge, I think one person, you probably have a little more easier time educating him or her about this topic than you may a jury. A jury may just not even care. Whereas a judge, you know, it's their job. They're, they're being paid to care about this. So anyways, okay. So in preparing for a trial, there was one particular gov government witness that popped up in the government documents that I wanted to highlight for you because this was Victoria Latham, Latham or Latham? I'm not sure. I'll say Latham. She is a former employee of McFo. She is a government witness and she is Mr. Golson's executive assistant. And at the end of the day, the government says her testimony, I don't have her actual testimony, but I have what the government said she was going to testify about. And she said there was this spreadsheet called quote unquote project G 77. And that is how Golston tracked his channel partner companies. So I can imagine that testimony right there. Golston probably saw it and was like, holy shit. I can't, I can't have that testimony. That's not going to be good. So November 15th of 2021, the bench trial starts with just the judge. The government starts their case. That's how it starts. The government has to prove what it needs to prove in the indictment, those 20 counts. So it starts to go through the, you know, starting what I started with at the beginning of, Hey, this is what an IP address is. This is how you get one. This is what Aaron is. It starts to go through that process and it starts to give its case of here's my witnesses. And the next day on November 16th, 2021, Golston and McFo plead guilty to all 20 counts. Just said, Hey, fuck it. Guilty. I don't know why there was nothing in the court paperwork that said why this is one of those things that I really wish there was a document out there of the reason why, but he pled guilty on partway into day two. So I can only imagine it was probably testimony from a witness. Like I just brought to you with Miss Latham. I imagine you had witnesses on the stand getting into very damning evidence like this. And Golston probably went, holy shit, this is not good. It's probably better if I just say I'm guilty now and hope for a more lenient sentence. So in this time, Mikfo, obviously he's guilty, right? And that's Mikfo's part of it. So it goes into bankruptcy and it has a trustee and Amir's still kind of associated with it until 
December 29th of 2021, he decides to resign from his company, Micfo. So now it's just basically, it's now owned by a trustee. And I believe that's because it owes more than it's bringing in. And on June 7th of 2022, there's a preliminary order of forfeiture. So the government or the court says all IP addresses, they're now ours. And also from the sales, they're taking back about, well, just over $3.3 million. So quite a bit that Amir Goldston and Mikfo made on these transactions. And remember, he was stopped on his lion share transaction that was over $6 million. So he made $3 million, but he was going, he was going for broke for six. And I imagine he was probably going to try to sell them all by the time he was done. So on July 22nd of 2022, Amir's bond is revoked because he pled guilty and, you know, things are being forfeited and he's heading towards prison, right? So you imagine his bond's revoked. He's going, he's sitting in custody now. Probably gives him some time to think. In April 25th of 2023, his sentencing is scheduled. Okay. A whole bunch of shit happens at this point. And I, I apologize, you can't really see it in a timeline, but... So imagine he just got detained. He's sitting in there and I imagine jail's not pleasant. A few months later, it's now April 25th of 2023. They say, hey, we're going to start to schedule your sentencing. He goes, the next day he goes, ah, nope, nope, fuck it. Nope. I want to withdraw my guilty plea. I don't know why again, this information was not, it was not something I was able to pull through the public system. I tried to pull it. It says the document doesn't exist. There's a document out there somewhere that says why he tried to withdraw his guilty plea. I know he tried to. And then the court later says, nope, you can't. So I was able to get my hands on another document where the court says, you know, your motion to withdraw. And then there was a second motion to reconsider when they said no on that motion. They said all these motions for your guilty plea to be revoked. No, we're not taking it because all your arguments are just the same arguments that you've been making and just none of it's new and we're just not having it. So your guilty plea stands, buddy. So it's September 13th of 2023. Sentencing rolls around. Okay. To recap, he was detained. Probably was like, holy shit, tried to revoke it because he, he doesn't want to be de detained anymore. And now he's going to get sentenced and he's probably standing there with his fingers crossed going, please, 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 no prison sentence. And the judge comes back and he or she says 60 months counts one through 20 to run concurrently. So he has to spend five years in prison. And furthermore, you remember there was a forfeiture of over $3 million that he made on these IP addresses. But the court also says ah, restitution, buddy restitution in almost $77,000 has to go back to Aaron to pay their costs of all the stuff that they had to do with investigations and all that stuff related to you. That was that cost and you're paying it. So after he's in prison, he's given a supervised release term of two years, which is a little shorter than an average. A lot of times it's three years. And like I said, until it's paid for, he has to pay a $77,000 restitution to Aaron. And you can imagine he gets that. And I have just, 
just from seeing that he tried to withdraw his guilty plea. I imagine he doesn't like prison. And so that probably led to his next decision, which was on September 14th of 2023, he dropped a notice of appeal because he probably looked at that sentence and was like, holy shit, five years, no way. So he's going to try to appeal as much as possible. And that's, that's the point where I started this research. So the appeal is in motion. So maybe someday I'll be able to figure out what it is that his appeal said, and we'll be able to pull more information on this case. But I thought that this case was incredibly interesting. We're at the end of it now. Some final thoughts. I picked this case because it was a nerdier subject. It, the object of the crime here was IP addresses. As a layman, you didn't need to know what they were for. If you were a computer person like me, it made it a little more interesting because it's what we deal with every day on the internet. And it was an interesting way to monetize this whole crime. But at the end of the day, it still boiled down to plain fraud. It boiled down to something he got fraudulently that other people wanted that was in short supply that he was able to put a hefty price on and make money. That's basically how fraud works. There's a lot of money to be had in IP address ownership. I knew it just generally before this case, but after I started putting some numbers to the crimes in this case, it was just astounding to me that it was millions of dollars that one person could rack up in this in this type of scheme. And that's because whenever there's a low supply of something but high demand in anything, a market's gonna pop up. And it popped up with this IP address sale market. And that's what Amir Goldstein used for his fraud. Now, one last point here. This is another one of those cases where I thought it was pretty interesting where he pled guilty to everything. Now, I kind of think it happened in this case because they were already in the middle of trial. So the government already went to the expense of the trial. The jurors were already picked. They already the jurors were already fed once they had lunch the day before. So things are in motion. And I imagine his only choice to plead guilty at this point were probably was probably to all the counts. But you can see, you know, like what, a couple months later when he was actually detained, he tried to take it all back. So you didn't see him take it back when he was out of prison, but then you saw him go back to prison and get ready for sentencing. And then he tried to take it all back. And with that, that's it. That's the case. Hey, listen, if you, there's anything you liked in this episode, please thumbs up, like, follow, subscribe, whatever the positive thing is on the application that you're watching me on. If you haven't been to our website, please go. It's ecrimebytes.com and bytes is spelled the computer way. B-Y as in yellow milk, T-E-S.com. Now I'm going to pop up the thumbnail for our bonus episode that's coming tomorrow. This is not next week. This is tomorrow. This is the bonus episode for this week. This is Pat the Bat and Dr. Alario updates. Now Pat the Bat was the one that we did in, in season one where Seth and I brought to you this hired hitman of sorts that would go out there and flex a little muscle for the right amount of money. And Pat the Bat went out and shot up somebody's house, and luckily nobody was hurt in one case, and then he went out there and firebombed somebody else's house. Luckily nobody was hurt. The house is pretty well damaged. Um, but when he did it, he looked like an absolute complete fucking idiot and... He could have probably burnt the whole house down, but they missed and didn't even, didn't even actually throw the firebomb in the house. They threw it 
on the side of the house and they sound like idiots and they're like, fucking light it, man. Fucking light it. Fucking light it. And it's just, it's, I'll play the video for you in this episode. It's, it's just jaw dropping. Trust me. So I really, really hope you come back and join me because there are some updates. I'm going to give you a real quick get up to speed in case you haven't seen our episodes, but then I'm going to give you the updates on what happened in both of those cases because they were sentenced. Both of them, they were sentenced. And in one case, yeah, the sentence was about right. And in the other case, the sentence was completely off uh, and not even close in my opinion. So stay tuned for that. I hope to see you soon. Thanks. Bye.